have a few moments, stand with me one more time. We're going to read from the word of the Lord, Exodus chapter 3. I'm reading from the New English translation, so if you don't have it, it will be on the screen. We're going to read from verse 1 down through verse number 15. And that's, you say, that's a long, that's a long, long reading, Brother Hughes. You want me to stand? They stood one day for the whole law to be read. It wasn't just a day. It was hour upon hour. So I'm not going to have you standing that long. Now Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to the mountain of God to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. He looked and the bush was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. So Moses thought, I will turn aside to see this amazing sight. Why does this bush not burn up? Amen. I have news for you. It can't burn up because it is an eternal flame and an eternal fire that's burning even today. Just a side note. When the Lord saw this, that Moses had turned aside, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God said, do not approach any closer. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Amen. Amen. It's holy ground. He added, I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows and I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptian and to bring them up from that land to a land that is both good and spacious to a land flowing with milk and honey to the region of the Canaanites the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites the Hivites and the Jebusites and now indeed the cry of the Israelites has come to me and I have also seen how severely the Egyptians oppressed them. So now go and I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, "Who Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh or that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he replied, surely I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you and they will serve God on this mountain. Oh, Brother Greg's smiling. There's just too much to preach here this morning. Amen. I'm not even going to go there. 
and Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am that I am. I am that I am. If you want to know who I am, I am that I am. (laughs) And he said, you must say this to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, you must say to this these Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me to you. And this is my name forever. And this is my memorial from generation to generation. I want to talk to you a little while this morning about God's memorial to every generation. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Woo! I feel the presence of the Lord here today. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and give Him praise. Tomorrow, many in America will take the time to celebrate the service and sacrifice of generations that have made what we enjoy possible. Unfortunately, Memorial Day has become just the beginning of summer for most people. But it is a reminder, and it should be a reminder that there are some things that we must never forget. Amen. We must never forget. The first time that they celebrated this holiday, it was called Decoration Day. And it came into full fruition after the Civil War. And so many lives had been lost. And so many had perished There were those that wanted to honor the memory of those men who had served their country and had given their life. And so it became a day and an opportunity for men to set aside a time for doing so. Parades and barbecues and visiting cemeteries and wearing red poppies became a part of the holiday. Unfortunately, the only part that has remained in view has been the barbecuing and the visiting of family. Very few actually go to cemeteries any longer and honor the brave that have lost their lives and no one wears a red poppy any longer as a symbolic gesture of what has been done for us. But I want to pause this morning and tell you that we must never let ourselves stoop to the place of ingratitude 
There was a price that was paid for us to enjoy what we enjoy this morning. And if there's not enough voices on this side that keep lifting up their voice and saying something about it, there are enough voices on the other side that's going to silence us. Amen. We need to lift up our voice and we need to shout out our thanks and not be afraid of honoring those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. There is actually a moment of remembrance that takes place at 3 p.m. tomorrow, your local time, and it lasts for one moment. I will dare say very few will take that moment, but if you should remember 3 o'clock tomorrow, why don't you pause for a moment and give thanks for the fact that you live in a wonderful country Amen. I don't care what the news media says. I don't care what the pundits say. This is still a great place to live. And we need to let it be known that we're thankful for what has been done. Amen. And in remembering, we should say something about what we remember. You see, memorial is more than just about thinking. It involves speaking. It involves your words. It involves expression. I don't have time to go into the full definition of the word, but every time the word memorial is used in Scripture, it carries this expanded understanding that it was more than just a pause to think. It was a pause to say something about what you're thinking about. And so when you pause to think about the sacrifice, you need to lift up your voice and say thank you. You need to go by one of our servicemen today or one of our police officers and say, hey, thank you for what you're doing to help keep our country safe. Thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. People will decorate the tombstones of the fallen soldiers, but I am reminded of an old anonymous quote that says, Dead people receive more flowers than the living ones because, we reg- because regret is stronger than gratitude. Let's not let regret be the reason that we say it. Let's say it because we're grateful. Let's say it now while they're still alive. You know, I'm amazed at funerals when people get up. I remember I was at one funeral and the pastor got up. It was an open mic, which is a terror to me. You don't, I don't ever want to do an open mic at anything because you never know what, what you're going to get. But he had the best introduction I've ever heard. He said, now I got words for you. We're going to open this mic. You can come and express your gratitude toward this person that's passed away. But I got something to tell you. If you didn't say these things while they were alive, don't come up here and say them now that they're dead. Amen. You need to turn to your neighbor, your wife, or your husband and say, hey, I'm thankful you're here today. Amen. Don't wait until a tragedy strikes. It happened this week. It happened this week. I said it happened this week. It happened this week. Children went to school and they never came home. 
The next time you decide to go to bed mad because you didn't get your way, you better thank God that you've got somebody that's laying there beside you or sitting beside you rather than griping about what you don't like in life. Oh my, I didn't need to get off on that. I don't want to wait until your tombstone is erected to honor you. I want to do that now. The poet said, wouldn't this world be better if the folks that we met would say, I know something good about you and then treat us just that way? Wouldn't it be fine and dandy if each hand clasped and warm and true carried with it this assurance? I know something good about you. Wouldn't life be lots more happy if the good that is in us all were the only thing about us that folks bothered to recall? Woo! Wouldn't life be lots more happy if we praise the good we see? For there's such a lot of goodness in the worst of you and me. Wouldn't it be nice to practice this fine way of thinking too? You know something good about me and I know something good about you. Amen. Wouldn't it be a better world? Praise God. This Memorial Day, I'm asking you to do more than just think about it. Say something about it. Amen. I love the words of one lady who had grown up uncertain of what this was all about. And she went regretfully to the parades in her town with her family and she saw her grandmother paraded down the street because she was one of the families in the community that had lost a son in the war. And she never seemed to grasp it until one day in a quiet moment of her grandmother's house she saw a picture and her grandmother took her on a journey of what happened and what she had left of her son. And it was in that moment that a, an appreciation for Memorial Day really sank deep into her. And so she made up her mind that she would never allow another day to pass without taking the time to honor those that had given what they had given. Even when she became a married mother, she was determined, my children are going to know what Miss Memorial Day is about. And so she would bring them every day or every, every time Memorial Day would come, she would bring them to the streets of the city where the parade would come by and she would give them little flags to wave as they came by, marching by and giving honor to this wonderful day and the people that it represented. And she said this, I want them to remember that life isn't just about getting what you want. Sometimes it involves giving up what you love for what you love even more. And I think that is the ultimate sacrifice. But this idea of a day of remembrance and a time of honoring the fallen and the, uh, the nation is not something new. God had already felt 
it is essential for you and I to have memorials in our life. And it is an interesting study. And I don't have time to get into it. Perhaps in some future message I will be able to touch on it. But I was moved deeply this week as I started going through Scripture and finding every place a memorial was talked about. And there are so many of them in Scripture. So many moments that God wanted us to capture and understand the significance of what we were doing and wring out of it everything that was in it and what it represented. And uh, it would do you a, a world of good to go through the Scripture and just study the times that the word memorial is brought up and in every circumstance in which it was brought up and why God thought it was significant that you would take this moment. One of the memorials that comes to mind is that when Israel would bring an offering to the Lord, it, one of the offerings included a meal offering and it would, they would bring the flour that they had, uh, that had been yielded from their wheat crop and they would bring a tithe, an offering to the temple or the tabernacle and the priest would reach in and grab a handful and he would offer that on the altar as a sacrifice and the Lord said, I want this to be a memorial to you. This is something that you need to understand the significance of. And while I was reading that, I thought, you know what? That, that priest that was reaching into that bag knew that the remaining portion of that bag was going to be used for temple use. So it would be selfish. It would be for him and his service. Now, here's what the Lord spoke to me. How big is your hand grab going to be? Some people reach into that bag that God gives them and they just get a little bitty handful. I mean, they don't even get a handful they, because they want to keep the most for themselves. I want to be the kind of person that realize God always gives me more than I give back to him. And he always gives me more than I'm going to turn back to him. And so I want to make sure that I give him the biggest handful that I can because I want him to know how thankful I am for the blessings that he has brought into my life. Oh my word, some of you don't even get the importance of that right now. But when you dig into that handbag of, of blessings that God has bestowed upon your life, you need to make sure you give him a good portion of it. You need to make sure that you give him a lot of praise and a lot of glory and a lot of honor because he is worthy of all. And here's the deal. What remains is more than what you give. And that's the way God operates. That's the way God. Woo. My, my, my. I better get on my message or I'm never going to get through. The act of remembering. The act of remembering gathers many benefits around it. Remembering helps us, hopefully, not to repeat mistakes of the past. Remembering helps us by inspiring us by the courage of others. Remembering encourages us to then turn and do our part because remembering is not just about thinking, it's about acting. Amen. 
And so there has to be a reciprocating action when I am pausing to remember I need to do more than just let my mind be filled with gratitude. I need to be active in doing something about it. I don't have time to keep grinding that axe, but you need to get that in your spirit. I am stirred this morning by the implications of our text. And when I was reading it, it it began to speak to me in ways that I don't even know I'm going to be able to express to you. But you, you know the setting. Moses was the backside of the desert. He was there because he had run away from Egypt where he had been raised for a good portion of his life. He had slain an Egyptian and... Uh, Uh, His people turned on him and uh, he didn't know what to do. And so he flees to the desert and there he is for a a long period of time, about 40 years. And he's here tending the sheep uh, and the flock of his father-in-law. And in this moment of of unexpected... the 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 burn the bush begins to burn and the, there, there's something about it that just uh, intrigues him and he is captured by it something unique about it. this isn't just a, a freak fire this there, there's something about this bush burning that tr- drew him and and so Moses turned aside and it was there in that moment that he encountered God in a way that changed his life and it changed the trajectory of his life. It changed the direction not only of his life, but of the life of his people. Listen to me. I have, I've got something I need to say. There are encounters that you and I can have with God that do not just affect us. But when there is a change in us, that change has a ripple effect. And it affects the people that we love and the people that we call family. So when you come to that moment where God is, don't be afraid to embrace what God wants to do in your life. Because it can bless your family and generations. Amen. Praise God. Woo. Amen. Moses, though, is eager. Seeing the bush and hearing the voice and God telling him all of these things. I wish you could throw verse, can you throw uh, verse 14 up there again? Uh, he, he is so intrigued by this encounter, but he said, God, they're going to want to know who, who is sending me. Now, the significance to them is much different. We, we, we name our children Sue, Bill, George, Jill, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason. But in that day, a name was associated with more than just a feeling. It was associated with a meaning. It, it, it's almost like the biologist that stands before nature and said, reveal yourself. And when nature reveals it to the biologist, it then gives a name to that revelation that is connected to the revelation. Did you get that? 
And so Moses is wanting to know, these people are going to want to know what authority I have to say these things and who is it that has sent me? And God said, I'm going to tell you who it is. I'm going to give you the name that you need and the name that will work in your life in this situation and in every situation that will come in the future. Amen. And so rooted in this ancient thought, the name meaning more than just a symbol or a word, but it was a, uh, it, it expresses the nature of the individual that when you spoke the name, it gave you an insight and, and, and exposure to what they were, their personality, their attributes, their strengths, and all of that. And so when Moses said, who, who do I say sent me? He said, I'll tell you who to tell them. Tell them that the I am has sent you. The I am has sent you. In their nomenclature, that name expressed the essential characteristics of the person to whom it was given. And it expressed the nature of that person. And so as he went before Pharaoh and he went before the people of Israel, they would know not just a name, but they would know a characteristic and they would know a nature and they would know a power that was behind that name. That they would understand that when that name is invoked, that you are not just saying a name, but you are calling on all of those attributes and all of the characteristics and all of the nature and all of the power and all of the glory and all of the honor. You're calling on that to come to your aid. Amen. And so each stage of their uh, meeting with God, God would give them a different revelation of his nature. And it's seen in the many compounded names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu. Uh, all of those are, are, are a, just a small glimpse uh, of this radiant glory. They're just at this particular moment, at this particular juncture in your life. I am the God who provides. I am the God who, who, who delivers. I am the God who, who protects. I'm the God of peace and so forth. But when Moses went before Pharaoh, he didn't need just a sliver of light. He didn't need just a shaft. He needed the whole radiance of glory. When he stepped before the people, he needed a name that encompassed everything, the totality of who God was and is, so that when he spoke that name, that name would call together all of these attributes of peace and healer and deliverer and savior and all of the other things that God said that he was, that when he gave them that name, I am. I am. Praise God. Amen. And he said, that name is an absolute name. It will never change. The name that he named himself. God said, I'm going to name myself. I am the I am. I am what? 
I am whatever you need. I am your deliverer. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your help. I am your strength. I am your joy. I am your everything. That's who I am. And this is what got me. He said, I want this name to be a memorial. Amen. This name to be a memorial. Amen. Why? Because that name reveals the attributes of his nature and all that is related to who he is. Amen. His name is to be a memorial because it is a revelation. And here's what I love about the name. It gives us a clue as to what God will do in any situation in my life. Amen. I am. I am? Yes, I am. I am what? I am your way maker. When you come to the Red Sea, I'll take care of that. I am your provision. I am your provider. When you need food, there's going to be manna. There's going to be quail. When you get thirsty, there's going to be water. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be your keeper so that you're going to go through a desert for 40 years and your clothes will not wear out and your shoes do not wear out and they don't become threadbare. I am the God who will take you into my promise. I am that God. And I want you to know me. I want you to trust me. I want you to make that a memorial in your life. Oh, I don't have time. I got to hurry. (coughs) Amen. Praise God. Oh, Lord, let me, I got to hurry on. And this is what, put that scripture back up there. Verse 15, that's what I want, verse 15. Yeah. So God said to Moses, you must say this to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Okay, three individuals are mentioned multiple times in Scripture. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And God said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham. And when I got to looking at that, I realized you're looking at three vastly different, distinctly unique men. Abraham, he was the faith walker. He was the adventurer. He was the man who was willing to go. He was the man who would not be stopped. He was the man who would not be held back. He was going to go forward. He was brave. He was generous. He was trustworthy. He was a dweller in tents. He was at home wherever God led him. Isaac, on the other hand, was quiet and reserved. He didn't make any waves. As a matter of fact, his life is one of the most uninteresting lives probably that you could read about in Scripture for the most part. He was meditative. He was ease-loving. He was uncontentious. He was single-minded. And you have very little in Scripture even to know about Isaac. And then comes Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Jacob. 
Jacob, the cunning, the, the ingenious, the crafty, the devious, the dishonest, the selfish, the conniving. One man of faith, one man who adventure had no lure for him, and one man who had a double nature. And yet God said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am the God of every personality. I am the God of every unique individual. I am the God of whoever you are. I am your God. I want you to know me as your God. I want to be your God. And I want you to know that I care for every one of you. Amen. This is what he said. He said, I am the God of the individual, not the corporate body. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. And I am the God of Jacob. And I am the God of Dwayne. And I am the God of Greg. And I am the God of David. And I am the God of Jim. And I am the God of Sherry. And I am the God of Tiffany. And I am the God of Shannon. And I am the God of Chad. I am the God of Randy. I'm the God of Kimberly. I'm the God of Alex. I'm the God of Shelly. I'm the God of James. I'm the God of Brooke. I'm the God of Vanessa. I'm the God of Anthony. I'm the God of Ashley. I'm the God of Kelly. I'm the God of Belinda. I'm the God of Vicky. I'm the God of Mishi. I'm the God of Melvin. I'm the God of Terry. I'm the God of Susan. I'm the God of Brandon. I am your God. Do you get it? That's my memorial today. He's my God. He's your God. He's your God. He's your God. Amy, He's your God. Yes, He's your God. You'll never be lost in a crowd again. Why? Because He's my God. That's what God wants you to make a memorial of, is that He is a personal God. He is your God. Rosemond, He's your God. Emily, He's your God. Yeah. Bubba, He's your God. Yeah. Erica, He's your God. you say it out loud. He's my God. Manny, he's your God. Sophie, he's your God. Ryan, he's your God. Brittany, he's your God. God wants a personal relationship with every one of you. That's why he said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac 
and the God of Jacob. Oh my. Every unique character, every unique individual. Egla, he's your God. Michael, he's your God. Yeah, he's your God. Oh, yes, he's your God. And here's the amazing thing. Every need of your nature. I said every need of your nature is his concern. Every need you have this morning, every concern you have this morning, that's his concern. Because he's your God. He's your God. Your life means something to God today. Listen to me. Your life means everything to him. And it means so much that he would identify himself as your God. My God. I don't even have... I I don't even have the brain bandwidth to talk about that. No one, listen to me, no one is ever overlooked by God. How could God have anything to do with my, you can be seated. How could God have anything to do with my personality? Somebody like me. I'm warped. I'm weird. Welcome to the club. I want to tell you why he could identify with me. Because my need is something he's attracted to. Because he wants to take my need and transform it into a change in my life. You see, God loves everybody. But he doesn't accept my behavior just because he loves me. He works to change my life so I will be a better man or a better woman or a better person. And the reason that he said, I want to be your God is because Jacob needed him so badly. He said, I'm going to be Jacob's God. Jake, God doesn't turn away from anyone, but will do his best for everyone. Bearing long with your duplicity, that he may make you a better individual. Amen. Do you know how long he chased Jacob? He chased him down every alleyway. He chased him through every duplicitous and devious act and deed. He chased him. He followed him down every crooked path that Jacob could take. And he just kept pursuing him because there's coming a rendezvous point. You're not going to live like this forever because you were made for something better than that. God didn't make you to be a messed up person. God made you to be a representative of his glory. 
And so God pursues Jacob and he keeps pursuing him and he keeps following him until finally he corners him in this brook called Jabok and he can't run any further because his brother's on the other side and his brother's coming for death. He's coming for blood because the last time Jacob saw his brother, he had cheated him. And it was in that encounter in that moment that God wrestled him down and wrestled out of him that deviousness and, and took that nature and turned it and used it for good. You see, all of that stuff, all of that energy that you're spending on being a jerk, God can take it and transform it and turn it and use it for the good of the kingdom. And He can make you an evangel of light. He can make you a preacher of light. He can make you a witness to God grace and glory. That's what God is up to in my life. That's why he said, I'm not afraid to be a God of Jacob because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transform Jacob. I'm going to make a better man out of him because I created him to be better. But that's what happens when you have hold of your life. Jacob is a great example of how we mess up our life. And we want to blame everybody else for it, but the truth is I'm the one that did that. I made those decisions. I'm the one that drank. I'm the one that drugged. I'm the one that cheated. I'm the, I'm the one that did all that. I can't blame somebody else. God said, that's all right. I still love you. I want to be your God. I want to be your God. I want to be your God. You say, but I'm, I'm depressed, Brother Hughes. I just live under this dark. God said, I want to be your God. I've dealt with depressed people before. I know how to help get them out of their depression. But God, I'm fearful. I, every day I wake up, I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of my shadow. I don't even want to get out of the house. I'm just terrified. God said, that's all right. I'm the God of the terrified. I know how to bring peace into the terror. I know how to transform the fear. I know how to take all of that that's in you. But God, I hate. I hate because I've been hurt. And I hate. I hate people. I hate individuals. And I can't stand it. God said, that's all right. I'm the God of the hater. I know how to transform your hate into love. I know how to turn that around and make you an evangel of light and grace and mercy. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. I'm almost through. God is the God of every type of personality. Listen to me. And because he is the God of every type of personality, we all worship God in different ways. So listen to me. Would you just be quiet for a moment and listen? Stop trying to pray somebody through the way you prayed through. Because the way you prayed through is the way God had to deal with you because of your personality. But you're dealing with a different personality right now. You need to let God do what God wants to do with that personality. What you need to do is just pray your faith down and pray your faith out and ask God to do for them what he did for you.
But you know what, folks? There's some people in this church that you ain't going, you're not going to walk an aisle. You're not going to shout because that's your personality. Does that mean you don't love God? No. God said, I'm your God. I am your God. I, whoever you are, I'm not pointing fingers at people. I'm just saying, if you're, whatever your personality is, I'm good with that. I just want you to worship me in the way that you can worship me. And if you're not a loud, boisterous person, then just be what you are. But you can worship me. You can give me honor in some way. You can do that. Stop trying to make a clone out of everybody you pray for. Enough of that. I'm moving on. Can you handle any more? This memorial name, listen to me. I'm going to say something that scared me when I said it this morning and when I wrote it down, it scared me, but it is the truth. And it is not to be misunderstood but when God gave them this name God was committed to his name do you understand that God's committed to his name whether you say it or somebody else says it God's committed to his name amen now drunk can say it and God's still committed to his name and that's why God will touch a drunk sometime and, and save them from destruction because he's committed to his name and he made that person for better things than being a drunk. But this memorial name announces God's commitment to every generation. Every generation. Three generations are represented But three was not just a number. It was significant of the fact that God, and it says it in Scripture, put it back up there. I will be the God, I will be this God to generation from generation to generation. So it doesn't matter if you're 90 years old or you're 16 years old today. He said, I'm going to be a God of your generation. I'm going to be a God to your generation. I, now, now listen to me, listen to me. The 90 year olds in this building, we, I'm not 90, but I identify with old folks. We, our music, our style is a little different than the, the than the, the 16 year old generation. And you say, well, my God, that's disrespectful. But listen to me. He said, I am the God of every generation. I am the God of this generation. I am the God of your generation. I am the God of all generations. And God is not a God of seasons or partialities. He is a God to each generation. Amen. And what we want is not a revelation only that declares what God's universal dealings are, but we want to know what his personal interest is. And his name reveals that he has no favorites. Oh, oh, I just hit a nerve. Because all of us in here, we have favorites. There's people in this church that you really, 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 really like, and there's people in this church you like. 
I say that over here. I didn't mean that for this. I'll say that over here. There's people in this church that you like, you really, really, really like, and there's people in this church you like. You get that? You get that? I always pick on this section over here. I don't know why I'm left-handed, but I always go to the right. Maybe God's trying to tell me something. But God has no favorites. God has no favorites. He's not like us. God can tolerate the worst of us. Because even in the worst of us, there's some good. Amen. That's why you need to love everybody. Not just tolerate them, but love everybody. Why? Because he loves everybody. I'm, I'm shutting up. I'm closing. He is as much the God of the uninteresting Isaac as he is the God of the double-dealing Jacob. As much the God of the double-dealing Jacob as he is the God of the nobler and heroic Abraham. Some of you need to get that. Because there are no classes of Pentecostal people. Oh, I know I touched a nerve then. There are no classes. He said, I am the God, generation to generation. And I have no favorites. Well, I don't know how God could love that stuff that drives, that's, that just gets on my last nerve. <clears throat> Well, I don't know how God's put up with me, but he has. I don't know how God's put up with you, but he has. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know I'm meddling right now and my time is out. Stand with me. God has done something that touches every generation. A gift that given, that works no matter your age. God has given us a memorial that is good for time immemorial. Amen. And more than a name, it is a promise. It is a promise. I am your God. Amen. I am your God. Every time, listen to me, every time we celebrate His name, we should expect Him to show up and demonstrate. Why? Because His name is power. And I want to say this. I'll have to find it in my notes. Amen. I wrote it down and it scared me. When I wrote it down, Each of his names is but a ray of the whole revelation of who he is. But the I am is the Son. It's the whole. Interesting thing was that in the New Testament, Jesus identified himself as the I am. There's one difference though. In the Old Testament, it was I am. In the New Testament, 
It had a new emphatic emphasis. I am the God of now. Now. And God has promised to be that God of now. But this is what I want you to understand. And please hear me out and don't misunderstand me. To know His name is to have a certain influence with God. Because He is committed to His name. And when you speak His name, He's going to do what His name invokes. Now, you better be ready for it. Because His name means power. His name means healing. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. If you speak that name, but there's not a corresponding expectation, the healer's still going to come. He's just going to fall on somebody else. The deliverer is going to come because that's what's wrapped up in His name. And when you speak His name, He's committed to His name. He's connected to His name. He is the God who will. And so when you speak that name, if there's not a corresponding expectancy and there's not a faith that's believing that He's coming, you're going to miss the fact that He did come and He's still going to come. He's just going to come to somebody else in the building. Don't let that happen. When you say His name, expect everything that name invokes. Peace, mercy, grace, healing, salvation, deliverance, forgiveness. Should I go on? Every time you speak that name, would you lift up your voice right now and speak the name of Jesus? I speak Your name today, Lord. I speak Your name, the memorial of all memorials. A memorial to every generation. A memorial to all. All people. Your name is Hallelujah. Your name yes. Come on, sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Sing it. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, your name. Oh, yes. Shine through the shadow. Ah, yes. Burn like a fire. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Speak the name. I speak the name of Jesus. I speak the name of my healer. I speak the name of the God who understands me, who knows my uniquenesses and still loves me and still comes for me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, if you could, why don't you just join us here at the altar for a moment? We won't keep you but a few minutes. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. 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 I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it. Over every heart and every mind I know there is peace within your presence Oh, I see Jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah I want to speak the name of Jesus Oh, yes Every dark addiction 
starts to break over every darkness over every fear over every street over every family over every life we speak the name of Jesus I am the God of your personality I am the God of your uniqueness oh yes I love you Jesus I love you